0: There's a pastor's son who, who one day asked his father. He said, "Dad, why do you pause before going to preach?" And the father said, "Well, I, it's because I ask God to, to give me good words and help me in the sermon." And the young boy said, "Well, why doesn't God answer it then?" <laughs> Greetings from the people of Christ the King. Lutheran Church in Fallbrook. Last Sunday, I had a chance to go down to my home church, and it was a joy to be there, it was a joy to preach there. It was a joy to see the pastors who I saw when I first came to Christ, first came to faith in Christ. It was a joy to look at the pew approximately where I was sitting when when the gospel grabbed me. It was a joy to see the very place where I was baptized, and then to see um, the place where I was ordained as a pastor. So it's very special to be back at my home congregation. However, in leaving, I told Jamie, I said, as wonderful as this is, and it's my home congregation, my heart belongs to this home. And this truly is my home. And I'm so thankful. No, it's good. Thank you. I love this church. Let us pray. Holy and gracious Father, we ask that you would speak your word to us. It's a good and gracious word, a word that, that finds us when we least expect it. Oh Lord, find us this day, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. A professor of mine at seminary would often talk about two dreams. He would say there are two basic dreams in life. The first dream is very common and respectable. It's very much the American dream. It's the dream of making it, the dream of making something of our lives, of being a success, being respectable, finding our niche, doing something great. This is the dream that drives our lives. It drives us to do ambitious things. It drives us to do things greater than we could ever imagine. It causes us to get up early in the morning, drink coffee when we don't want to, It drives us out the door into this world to try to overcome it. This is the dream that that beats the drum of our ambition and stirs the very moral fibers within us. Now there's a second dream that we all have. It's a peculiar kind of dream. A secret sort of dream. It's the dream that we've all had, and it's the dream that where someday, somehow, against all reality, it's the dream that our ship will come in. It's the dream of perhaps an unknown rich uncle that we've never met before who sends us an inheritance that will set us for life. It's that dream of Ed McMahon showing up on our doorstep with that gigantic check. You're laughing because you've had this dream. It's the dream of going into your attic and saying, there might just be a bag of rare coins or rare Babe Ruth baseball cards up there. If I can cash those in, I'll be set. It's this kind of dream that causes us to take that publisher clearinghouse envelope that says, you might have already won. We put the sticker on it and we kind of walk quietly, we don't want anyone to see, and slide that envelope into the mailbox with the hope that it might just be our turn. In our gospel reading, Jesus speaks about a parable of hidden treasure. And he says, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. Now, if you think about this parable, which dream do you think it fits more like? The first one, hard work, pays off? Or the second one, where you sort of stumble upon something that is great? It's more like the second one. Jesus saying the kingdom of heaven is like that second dream. It's one that you might stumble upon. It's one where you're looking at a piece of property, maybe to buy, you kick over a rock, and voila, there's this treasure. It's been there the whole time, and you just stumbled upon it. It's it's as though you woke up that day, you didn't say, you know, today I'm going to find hidden treasure. No, you stumbled upon it, and you thank God for it. That is what the kingdom of heaven is like, Jesus says hidden treasure that you stumble upon. Did you hear about that Philadelphia man who bought a, a picture for $4 at a flea market? And then when he came home, he, he took the picture out of the frame, and there in the back between the picture and the frame, back of the frame, was the original copy of the Declaration of Independence. And so this man was able to sell this, this um, original copy of the Declaration of Independence at Sotheby's for million? That's called hidden treasure. It makes all of us want to leave church right now and start going to all the swap meets. I'm buying paintings, as many as I can find, because maybe, just maybe, we'll hit the jackpot. The kingdom of heaven is like hidden treasure that you stumble upon. Now, you already know this, though. How many of you... How did you find the kingdom of God? I bet you weren't looking for it. You probably didn't wake up one day and said, you know, I'm going to read this Bible and I won't put it down until I find the kingdom of God. There are a few people who it might work that way. But the majority of us, that's not how you found the kingdom of God. In fact, the kingdom of God found you before you could even decide on it. For most of you, when you were but a child, you were brought to church. When you were but a child, you were carried on your back. When you were but a child, you were brought to the, the baptismal fount. And there, the kingdom of God was bestowed upon you. What decision does a three-week-old have make? What thoughts does a six-month-old make? Other than, I want to eat, and I have to go to the bathroom. I mean, that's it. I know, I have a two-month-old. There's no deciding for the kingdom. The kingdom comes. Now, for others, though, who are a little more, who come to faith later in their life, like myself and others, um, they say, well, we could say, well, we found the kingdom. And you sit there and you go, really? You really came to church looking for the kingdom that day? I can't help but think of Matt McCain. Matt came to this church looking for one thing, in and out Burgers. <laughs> we promised him that if he sang in the service, we would give him in and out Burgers. And so Matt came, sat through two services because he wanted In-N-Out burgers. Was he looking for the kingdom? No, he was looking for a cheeseburger. <laughs> the kingdom of God found him, it grabbed him when he was least expecting it. I was looking for a girl, grab me. Other people are looking for peace in their marriage, or they're looking for um, a way to overcome financial reversals. They come for many reasons. Rarely are they looking for the kingdom of God. Or maybe they're looking for it, they just don't know it. But the kingdom of God has a way of finding them, of grabbing them, when they least expect it. And that's why this parable speaks of joy. I mean, it's a joyous event. To find the kingdom of God, it's something that makes you happy, especially when you weren't looking for it. I mean, again, think about Ed McMahon. Have you ever seen an Ed McMahon commercial where he's delivering the the check to people and they go, oh, that was nice. Well, thank you for this $10 million check. Thank you very much. No, what do they do? They jump up and down. I mean, they practically have a heart attack right then and there. (gasps) They can't even breathe. They're happy. They're calling everyone around. Right, Because it's joyful. It's an exciting event. It it finds them and they get happy. Now compare this against a paycheck, something that you earn. I mean, how many times do you, when you get your paycheck, you go, I'm going to do a dance of joy. This is so good. I've worked so hard. I'm so happy. You might be relieved that you got it. And you might have been happy at your first paycheck. But every paycheck after that, you go, That's it. Man, the government takes a lot out. (laughs) Honey, let's get another dependent or two, I mean, anything to keep more of the money. The kingdom of God, if it's earned, maybe that's it? No, the kingdom of God instead is like a treasure that you stumble upon, that it overwhelms you and of course it brings joy. It's not a treasure we earn. It's a treasure that we stumble upon, a treasure that finds us, a treasure that grabs us, that's given to us. That is what the kingdom of heaven is like. Now in this parable, once you find this kingdom, this treasure, you have to secure it. And it's at this point where we usually go wrong. I mean, for those of us who stumble upon it and we go, we have it, now we figure out or we try to say, how do we secure this treasure? And so we go about thinking that now we have to be serious, now we have to be good Christians, now we have to, we can't do anything wrong. I remember a young man came into my office and he said, you know, Pastor, I really believe in this Christian. He goes, I really believe in the Gospel. But he said, I'm not coming to church. I said, well, why? He goes, well, I don't want to give up all the things I'm doing. He said, I'm having too much fun. So I don't want to come to church. I don't want to be good. And so I'm not coming to church. And I wanted to say to him, oh, you're not getting it. I don't know if you really understand the gospel. It's not even being about good. It's about God's love for you. I even told him, I said, see in this hand, imagine everything bad that you do. Let's just put it behind your back. Let's not even worry about it. Let's just come to church and hear the good news. And he just said, I won't do it. I don't want that. Because I'm afraid you're going to do a bait and switch on me and make me try to be good and moral. And I don't want that. Oh, we, we, we fall into this trap of thinking that the kingdom of God is something that's given to us and then we have to somehow work to stay saved or work to, to really earn the kingdom or work to pay God back for what he's done. And so we get in this debtor's mindset that we have to pay God back But that's not how it works. We don't secure the kingdom by our our works. I mean, what joy is in that? There's no fun there. This parable isn't about goodness. Think back to the parable. I mean, what happens when the man finds this treasure? How ethical is he? Does he go to the owner of the land and say, guess what I found on your land? Here, let me give to you what belongs to you. No! This man hides it. He's not being very ethical here. He buries it. And then comes to the man and says, you know, would you like to sell your property? I'll buy all of it. You think the the landowner must be going, there's something up here. But he lets the man do it. I mean, this is what the kingdom of heaven is like. You stumble upon it, and then you secure it. But how do you secure it? Well, you secure it not based on any good deed you've done, and you secure it not based on how much money you've given, in fact, you secure it very much in the same way as how you find it. If you weren't looking for it and it found you, in the same way you secure it, not by what you've done, but by what Christ has done for you. In fact, it's Jesus who secures the kingdom for you. Listen again to the large catech- or the small catechism, which, which tells us, I believe that Jesus Christ, and then it goes on to say, has redeemed me, a lost and condemned creature, Purchased and won me from all sins, from death and from the power of the devil, not with gold or silver, but with his holy and precious blood and with his innocent suffering and death. How do we secure the kingdom? Well, we don't. Christ secures it for us. In theology, we call this the happy exchange. It's where we give Christ all our junk and he gives to us all his treasure. We give Christ our sins. He gives Christ our righteousness. We give Christ our death. He gives us his life. We give Christ all our good works that add up to a fraction of a coin. And Christ gives us all his works that's greater than all the gold in Fort Knox. This is how the kingdom of, is secured by this happy exchange. Christ secures it for us. Christ wins it for us. I mean, this is good news. But doesn't it seem too good to be true? I mean, I think this goes back to our dreams. I mean, we we function in this first dream. We think, no, we have to do in order to receive. It seems too good. Can we really trust that the kingdom of God is like this? Is this really how it works, that that it finds us, that Christ is the one who secures it for us? Is this really how it works? And the answer is absolutely. And we know this, and we can trust this parable, because this parable, as much as it's about us, it's truly about Jesus. I mean, Jesus is the one who, who really lived out this treasure. You see, Jesus is the one who wanted to find a great treasure, You, he wanted to find, you are the treasure. But you, like me, I mean all of us, were buried deep within the field of sin, deep within death and depravity. To find you, Jesus gave up heaven's glory. Once he found you, he gave up his life to buy the field. Now what about joy? Well, the author of Hebrews tells us, with joy Christ endured the cross that was set before him. In doing this, Jesus bought the entire field of this world with his holy and precious blood. He bought the good soil. He bought the hard soil. He bought the rocky soil. He bought the thorny soil. He bought it all. He paid it all in order to have you. Many of you have heard that slogan, he bought the farm. And many of you know what that's about. Pilots in the early days, it was part of their insurance policy that if a pilot died while flying, the insurance policy was that the money was given enough, there's enough money there to give to the widow so she could buy a farm. And so that's where the slogan comes, he bought the farm. Wasn't that exactly what Christ did? He bought the farm for you. He bought the field for you. He died so that we could have it all. That's what Christ did. We can trust it. Christ died so we might live. Or as the hymn we're about about ready to sing says, Christ, you were broken that I might be healed. Christ, you were cast off that I might draw near. You were thirsty that I might come drink. You cried out in anguish that I might sing. How deep is your love? How high and how wide is your mercy? How deep is your grace? Our hearts overflow with praise to you. You can trust these words. You can trust these words about the kingdom. Jesus lived them. And so my question for you this morning is simple. Do you want this treasure? Do you want this kingdom? Well, guess what? You just stumbled over it even today. Here in this place... Your sins are forgiven. You are forgiven. There it is. There's the treasure. Jesus entered into darkness, the nothingness of death, and he rose triumphant for you. There's the hidden treasure. The kingdom of heaven comes to you today in that you didn't earn it. You didn't plan for it. You didn't expect it, but there it is. Talk about hitting the jackpot. The kingdom of heaven comes to you this day as well. As as sure as I'm standing here and you're sitting there, in this moment, God has decided to be your God. He comes to you in his word. It's not my word, it's his word. Believe it. It's for you. He has come to you in baptism, taking you as his child. You, have the, you, are, you become his hidden treasure. Your ship has come in. He comes to you today at the table, at the meal. He enters into bread and wine for you. It's like a package sent from home when you're far away and lonely. It reminds you to whom you belong and promises you that one day you will be back. God has come all this way for you. Eureka! And so now the time is to sell out. Sell out all your doubts and your reservations. Sell all your attempts to hang on to the things the way things are. There is a new you on the way, a new kingdom underway. Believe it. You do not need your money for the kingdom, so use your money for your family and for your neighbor in need. You don't need your good works, so why are you hoarding them? <laughs> Give them away! Love your neighbor. Sell out. The kingdom of heaven is yours. Jesus entered into nothing of de- the nothingness of death and rose triumphant for you. Ed McMahon has nothing on this kingdom. The kingdom of God is yours, and you are God's treasure. In Jesus' name, amen.